Hey everyone, welcome back to Money on a Mission. Today, we get to talk about a unique case in personal finance and answer the question, what if your earning comes from other people's giving? Let's get started. With all the challenges money brings, how can we manage our finances in a way that aligns with our values? To answer this question, I've looked to mentors, books, and most importantly, the Bible. Join me as we seek to glorify God and love others in the way we manage our finances. This is Money on a Mission. All right, welcome back. Today is our second to last episode. So far, we've covered everything the Bible says about a biblical understanding of money and then all the steps the Bible lays out for managing that money. Next episode, we're going to summarize everything that we've covered, everything that the Bible says about money from start to finish. Before that, though, we're going to use today to talk about a few unique cases that the Bible mentions and that we need to address as well. So, after a biblical understanding of money, remember the first two steps that we've talked about in managing that money. First, work hard and earn a living. Second, give at least 10%. But what if you make your earnings from other people's giving? This would apply to pastors, missionaries, ministers, clergy, and even employees of some nonprofit organizations. If that's the case, how does it change what the Bible asks us to do when managing those finances? Before answering the specifics, let's first start with the assumptions and build the foundation. Just like in this podcast, we spent seven episodes talking about the proper understanding of money before we dug into any of the managing of it. And just like when we apply this unique case, ministers, clergy, missionaries, pastors need to have the same biblical understanding of money as anyone when we apply the steps. Money is a means of exchange. It's a means of transferring value. In and of itself, it's worthless, and it's vanity. All money belongs to God. We are stewards that he's trusted to manage his money, and we are not owners of our own money. Money, then, should be used on a mission for his glory and not for our own. With that in mind, ministers, just like all of us, should seek after things more valuable than money, like righteousness, integrity, wisdom, humility, contentedness, faith, and salvation. With those things in place, we know we're starting from the same foundation. There's no mismatch here. Anyone who's read the Bible and applied what it says about money is starting from the same base when we go into the steps of how to manage it. Now, on top of what applies to everyone, 1 Timothy also clarifies the quality that a church leader should have. 1 Timothy 3 verses 2 and 3 say, Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. Later, 1 Timothy 3 verse 8 says, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to too much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. So, church leaders, pastors, deacons should not be lovers of money and should not be greedy for dishonest gain. Again, this is a reminder that covers the same concepts that we've mentioned, but this time is directed specifically at church leaders. This baseline needs to be established and trusted. If there's distrust or uncertainty about the true motive of a minister, then the application of these steps can get pretty dicey. And sometimes, unfortunately, that is the case. There have been pastors who've lost sight of their priorities and their role in the church and have used their position as a means for dishonest gain, just like there are people in any career that have used their position for power or gain. If you've been burned by someone who's done this, know that it wasn't God's intent. With that in mind, we need to forgive them, move past it, and focus on what the Bible says about it. Despite those few cases where it's gone wrong, however, the good news is, most of the time this is actually done really, really well. 
Church leaders, pastors, missionaries in general have a great biblical understanding of money and apply these steps in an honorable way. And with that same standard and foundation of righteousness and humility, then the steps of allocating money become really easy to apply. So, with that established, let's move on to the steps that we've covered so far in general, but apply them to this group, people whose earnings come from other people's giving. We'll walk through earning, giving, saving, taxes, inheritance, and spending. So first, earning. There are a handful of verses which touch on this, but hands down the best and most complete explanation is given by Paul in his letter to the Corinthians. This is a long passage, but so incredibly valuable when trying to understand this that I'll read the whole thing, and then we'll unpack it a little bit afterwards. 1 Corinthians 9, 7-14 Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for the oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It is written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope, and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Man, this is an awesome passage. In summary, Paul says, those who spend their life proclaiming the gospel should be able to make their living proclaiming the gospel. And that's a beautiful concept. There are a few other things in here that are worth digging into as well. He starts off by saying, anyone who works does so with a fair and reasonable expectation of sharing in the produce. Soldiers get a paycheck, farmers get some of the crops, and we shouldn't forbid any workers from partaking in the fruits of their labor. Paul references Deuteronomy 25.4 when he says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it's treading out the grain. Those who do the labor should get some of the fruit. Paul then takes that concept and applies it to those who serve as ministers by saying, is it too much that we reap material things? And says that this is a rightful claim. All that to say, it's good and it's right that ministers, clergy, deacons, missionaries, pastors make their living and earn their income from preaching the gospel. This is a service that we love and that we need. So we should be excited and grateful for the fact that they are able to make a living by doing it. Let's go look at a few verses from the Old Testament. Numbers 5, 9, and 10 says, And every contribution, all the holy donations of the people of Israel, which they bring to the priest, shall be his. Each one shall keep his holy donation. Whatever anyone gives to the priest shall be his. Numbers eighteen twenty one says, To the Levites I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance, in return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting. So again, ministers should earn their living from their work. And these verses clarify specifically how they do that by receiving the tithes and the offering of the church. We talked in episode 10 all about giving and that the Bible tells us to give to the church and to church leaders. So obviously that would apply in the other direction. If we're called to give to ministers, then clearly ministers are called to receive from that giving. So that covers earnings. It's good and right for ministers, pastors, missionaries to earn their living from proclaiming the gospel. Now let's move on to the next step in managing our finances, giving. We talked about a ton of verses on giving in episode 10. We determined that we should give our first, our best, and at least 10% of all that we earn. 
We should give to the poor, to those in need, and to the church. So what about pastors, missionaries, and ministers? Is your giving any different because your earning comes from giving? The short answer is no. God asks all of us to give in the same way regardless of how we earn that money. Numbers 18.25 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Moreover, you shall speak and say to the Levites, When you take from the people of Israel the tithe that I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall present a contribution from it to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe. So there it is, plain and simple. Even those who make their money from others' giving should give in the same way. Present from it a contribution to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe. This is a beautiful thing. We are all united in our giving. Pastors and laymen, missionaries and poor are all called to give because the Lord asks us to do it together. All right, let's move on to the next step, saving. Remember, we save because it's wise to prepare for future need, to discipline our spending, and in obedience to God. And then in the episode on saving, we talked about following the example of Joseph set in Genesis by saving one-fifth or 20%. But more importantly than that principle or a percentage, what we should do in saving is listen to God and save however we feel that we're led. If he calls you to save more than that, then do it. Or if he calls you to save less and use more on the mission he has you on now, then do it as well, as long as that's coming from him and not just a desire to spend. In listening to him, though, the tendency among missionaries is often to not have any savings. Remember in the episode on saving, I talked about that mentor that I spoke to who said, every time I've saved any money, I've just given it all away. That's awesome. He spent all his money on the mission that God had him for. Savings is an incredible thing, but if God leads you to use it on that mission now, then go for it, just like that mentor did and used it to bless people around him. However, in some situations, this can get taken too far for the wrong reasons. If you feel that God's calling you to use that money on a mission and not to save because he's asking you to, that's one thing. But if you feel any pressure that you can't save because the money that you're earning is from other people's giving, so you have to use it all now, then that could be putting you in a situation that could harm you down the road. Again, if God wants you to use that money, do it. But know that it's okay to set some boundaries and save, and there shouldn't be any pressure. We've already established that it's good and right for missionaries and pastors to earn from others' giving, and so from that, it's also good and right to save. Remember what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 16 too. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up so that he may prosper. Saving is an important part of managing God's money. And even though it might cost you some spending power now, it can provide even more opportunity for blessing and impact in the future. So, pastors, missionaries, if God calls you to spend every dollar on reaching people, then do it. But if he calls you to save, then you should obey in that as well. And he might have an even greater blessing or impact for you down the road with that savings that you're building up now. Okay, related to the topic of savings, let's cover inheritance. Remember, one of the reasons that we save is to provide an inheritance to our children. But this one actually has some verses that can be a little tricky in reference to ministers. In short, Proverbs 13.22 applies to everybody, pastors, missionary, and clergy alike. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. If done in a godly way, leaving an inheritance is a great thing. But there are a few verses in Deuteronomy that we need to address. First, Deuteronomy 10.9. Therefore, Levi has no portion or inheritance with his brothers. The Lord is his inheritance, as the Lord your God said to him. Remember, the tribe of Levi were the priests to the nation of Israel. So this verse could be interpreted as saying, pastors and missionaries should not receive an inheritance, just like Levi did not receive an inheritance. 
If that's the case, though, how can Proverbs 13.22, which says we should provide an inheritance, and Deuteronomy 10.9, which says Levi did not get an inheritance, both apply at the same time? I think the answer lies in our understanding of that verse in Deuteronomy. Inheritance in this passage refers to a portion of the promised land that the tribes would use to build their homes, plant their roots, and settle their families. The Levites, however, were in charge of pastoring the people of the entire nation, so all of them living together in their own portion, their own inheritance of the land, would make it impossible for them to lead the rest of Israel. So instead of having their own land, they lived among the other tribes in their inherited land. With that in mind, I think this verse can be easily applied today by saying pastors and missionaries should live among the people that they pastor. Sometimes this might be where they grew up, sometimes it might be across the country or even around the world. The point is, ministers should not be worried about putting down roots in their family's hometown, but should instead follow the Lord wherever he leads them and live among the people he calls them to pastor. So that clears up the application of Deuteronomy 10. But, regardless of how it's specifically applied, or even whether that verse refers to land or money, there are still some other good lessons that we can learn from it. By not having an inheritance, the Levites learned to trust God's provision, which in turn helped them to lead the people of Israel even more. Deuteronomy 18 verses 1-4 through say, The Levitical priests, all of the tribe of Levi, shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's food offering as their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance, as he promised them. The first fruits of your grain, of your wine and your oil, and the first fleece of your sheep, you shall give him. So rather than rely on a pot of money that they could pull from, they learned to trust God and trust that he would provide every month, every year, year after year. In the same way, we should trust God that he will continue to provide. And even more so as a minister, when learning to trust in the Lord and know that he has a plan for you, know that you're on the mission he set you on, you need to know that he will provide for you as well. So, not having an inheritance is not the worst thing and can even be a blessing by teaching you and your children to trust in the Lord in following Him. Okay, let's move on to some other concepts. The next two should be pretty quick. Debt. Basically, this is the same. Debt comes at a heavy cost, so avoid it whenever possible. And taxes. Render to Caesar that which is Caesar's. Regardless of whether you earn your income from other people's spending or other people's giving, debt and taxes should be treated in the same way. Now, let's move on to a big one, spending. In the episode on spending, we said that we should intentionally manage what we spend, not buy what we don't need, do buy what we do need, pay a fair price, and honor the Lord in all our buying and selling. All of these lessons apply to ministers in the same way that they apply to everyone else, but there are a few things that we need to point out, so let's look at each one in more detail. First, manage your spending. In the mission field, it can be a challenge to balance spending on providing for your family and providing for the mission. Both are important, so ministers need to track and plan their expenses just like anybody should, so that you don't end up shorting one in providing for the other. Next, don't buy what you don't need. Again, this is true for pastors and missionaries the same way that it's true for all of us. Spending money on things that we don't need in an effort to look or feel good wastes God's money. This can be especially tricky for church leaders because the people of the church look to them as an example. So if people see their pastor wasting money trying to look rich, it can raise doubts about his intentions and questions in people's minds like, am I giving to the church so they can further God's mission or so the pastor can buy excessively fancy things? But before we sit on that too long, I want to jump right into the next principle of spending. Buy what you need. Just like ministers should not be excessively wasteful spending money on things they don't need, they should also not be excessively frugal so as to avoid buying things that they do need. 
A lot of missionaries that I've talked to have shared this struggle, and it comes from two sources. The first is a desire to pour everything into the mission, spending every dime on providing for the people they serve. This is an incredible and godly desire. But the second is from a pressure from donors or supporters. This is not a healthy reason, but it is something that a lot of ministers struggle with, especially missionaries who serve in really poor populations. They feel that they need to spend every dime on the mission and can't spend any on their families because their supporters would judge the way that they're spending, or stop supporting them if they knew that they were spending any of it on themselves. The truth is, there are needs and desires that are perfectly okay, good and right for a missionary to spend money on. Yes, we should avoid spending on things that are wasteful or unnecessary, but basic household comforts, some toys for the kids, these are things that should be perfectly acceptable to purchase. There are some things that might look like providing for the family that might also serve the mission in a really valuable way as well. Things like a nice truck. For a family that travels to different villages, that truck may be invaluable in serving the mission, while also providing some comfort and reliability to the family. Or a big one, vacation. This is something that a ton of missionaries, pastors, and ministers struggle with. They worry about things like, if my supporters see a picture of my family on the beach, will they think that I'm wasting the money they donated? The truth is, that vacation could be vitally important for the family. People need a break and quality family time in any profession, so why would it be any different for a missionary or a church family? All that to say, as long as we're all adhering to the same biblical understanding of money, then the money that has been given to a family in ministry is entrusted to them to manage however God leads them. Now, the lesson here isn't just for ministers, but also for those who support them. We should be doing our research and giving to people and organizations that we trust and that we feel will honor the Lord with our giving. If there's a person or an organization that you don't trust or who's using money in a dishonorable way, then pick somewhere else to give or address it in a godly way. But once you know that you've given to a faithful minister, then trust them. They'll use the money for the mission that they're on, but they'll also use it to support their family, to buy things that they need, or maybe even to take a vacation. And that is a good thing. We should not judge the way that they use it, but celebrate and support them in it. Missionaries, pastors, clergy, deacons, ministers are on a mission for God and doing incredible things for his kingdom. As members of the church who support them, it's our job to lift them up, not to judge them and put them down. So when we choose to give and to support, we should in turn trust that they're going to use that giving in the best way to serve the mission and in accordance with how God leads them. So ministers should not feel any pressure aside from the leading of God to use it in a righteous way, and we need to trust that they will. All right, that wraps it up for today. Pastors, missionaries, priests, ministers, anyone who earns an income from other people's giving can still apply the same concepts of biblical finances. The earnings that they make are good and right. We should give 10%, save however God leads you, don't focus on an inheritance but on trusting God, avoid debt, pay your taxes, manage your spending, Don't waste money on what you don't need, but spend on what is good and right for you to buy. Ministers, do not feel trapped by the fact that your earning comes from other people's giving. Stay focused on the mission God has for you, but always continue to provide for your family and use the money however God leads you, without fear of judgment from other people. Donors and supporters, give to people you trust and trust them and celebrate with them in the goodness of God and the fruit of their labor. With that, we only have one episode left in this season of Money on a Mission. We're going to look back and summarize everything that we've covered, everything that the Bible says about money from beginning to end. That should be a fun episode, but we'll save it for next time. 
Until then, if you want more from Money on a Mission, make sure you subscribe so you get that last episode as it launches. Also, please consider adding a rating and a review. The more five-star ratings this podcast gets, the more the platforms will boost it to reach new people. Next, head to the website moneyonamissionpodcast.com. You can find show notes with all the Bible verses we've covered and a spot to enter your email so you can join the newsletter. Third, I'd love to engage with you on Instagram. My username is Ned Kingman. Like and comment on the posts or shoot me a direct message if you have any questions. Finally, and most importantly, please share this podcast. If you've gotten any value out of it or think it can provide value to anyone you know, hit the share button in your podcast app, text this episode to a friend, or send them a link to the website. I need your help to reach as many people as possible and change the way our generation manages money. I hope and I pray that you've been blessed through this episode, and I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, glorify God, love others, and always manage your money on a mission.